Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. So I've heard. Welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin. And welcome to this brand new episode of Sky Talkers where we get to talk about brand new Mandalorian content. Finally. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's been, it feels, it's weird because I think Clone Wars was amazing. We love Clone Wars and everything, but it's, it was, it was like polishing off something. There's so much work into it, so it feels it feels weird to even say that. But there's something really special about like brand new Mandalorian content, and we've been talking about it. Everyone's been speculating about when this trailer is going to drop for so long. Like I think we thought it was going to drop like a month ago, and it didn't. Everyone thought it was going to happen around celebration time, and it didn't. So now it's here, just dropped on a random Tuesday, right? Yeah, at Monday? like 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> it was so strange. I don't really – I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's here. Yeah, and it, 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 I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Amazing. I'm I'm glad, but okay. It was, it was very – it was like kind of out of the blue. I think someone on Twitter was like, oh, they've updated their – the YouTube. So oh, yeah. it's – it's coming and we're like oh okay great like today tonight and then 20 minutes later it was like it's here oh it's here (laughs) yeah i remember it wasn't even on youtube yet like they uploaded it to twitter for right uh, it's good for us we're always on twitter yeah i mean it works for me (laughs) yeah (laughs) but well you know you like to go to youtube it has like the better quality honestly but so i had to go back i think it was like another like 10 minutes before it was actually uploaded to YouTube, or at least before it registered on my end, I guess. Yeah. I can't really understand the stress of dropping a trailer like this, though, so we just yeah. let that be free. <laughs> I feel yeah. like, uh, regardless, I feel like it was a really exciting moment, and it was an interesting trailer. I think that I... You know, there's a lot of debate online whether or not there needed to be a trailer, as there always is before anything big Star Wars. Do, does there need to be a trailer in order, or can we just watch it as a whole and then be surprised by it? I think with previous Mandalorian trailers, um, it really didn't show me anything. And I feel like the same was true for this trailer. While it was longer than the other ones that were for season one, I still feel like 
I, I get a sense of what the, the season, I suppose, is going to look like. I mean, the visual effects are amazing. Oh, but that's impressive. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, the visual effects are, I think, I, you know, the baby looks the same. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, I think when, that when you said, I have a feel for where this season is going. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. I, 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 I was I, like, wow. <laughs> no, I, I think I, I, I think I meant to say I have a feel for the, the look and feel of the season. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a teaser trailer. I mean, it clocked in under two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was really short. I think it's interesting because, uh, yeah, last year, <laughs> eons ago, last year, mm-hmm. we had so much – we had – even though we it took a long time to get Mandalorian content because we were lucky enough to be at Celebration, we had that bit in April to really just kind of gnaw on for the next that's true five months whereas this hasn't been the case for season two so it's in a way it's felt like so much longer and this is uh, a lot less information going into season two than we had for season one which makes sense because that was it was brand new back then obviously so it is kind of weird but i i think it's good i'm glad that this didn't come out it's like I'm glad that if this was to be a teaser trailer, which it is, and is as short as it is, and is honestly like a just like a lot of showing locations and kind of walking shots <laughs> and like some action too, of course. But uh, I'm glad that we're you know now only five six weeks out from season two premiere. Yeah, me too. I think that the best Star Wars trailers you don't really understand beat for beat what's going to happen in the show or the movie. Uh, you just get a sense of, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see these characters again to see where the story's going to go. Yeah, definitely. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm so excited to see to see what shenanigans father and son get into <laughs> in <know>. season two. <laughs> it, feels me, it fills me with like warm feelings when I think about the father and son vibe. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. And Baby Yoda was just literally and figuratively firing on all cylinders in this trailer (laughs) yeah we'll 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 get into it and before we before we do start though i think that caitlin and i both wanted to talk a little bit about gina carano and while we're excited for the mandalorian i have to say and i know caitlin agrees that gina carano's transphobia um and all of her rants and sly likes and uh posting of kind of anti-mask content it really has put a damper on her character, to say the least, mm-hmm. for Caitlin and I, as someone who really liked her character in the last season so much. I mean, if you listen to us, you you know. Yeah. <laughs> we We really liked her, and we're just really, really, really disappointed. Yeah, I... If you're not online and aren't aware of what kind of happened, maybe this is kind of coming out of left field, but... I think, what, like a week, a week and a half ago, something like that, Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune, uh, she started posting some like kind of anti-mask sentiments on Twitter, and I'm not really sure how the ball like kept rolling in this direction, and it just, she really just kind of doubled down when people were asking her, you know, why do you think this, like, kind of trying to engage in conversation, and it wasn't really going anywhere, anywhere, and then it kind of morphed into this discussion about people in the trans community and people uh, putting like things like pronouns and their profiles online. And it just got really 
like Charlotte said, like transphobic. And it was really disappointing. And at one point, you know, a lot of people online, again, if you're not in the Twitter community, I feel like that's where it's most prevalent. And again, that's just what I'm most familiar with. But a lot of people will put what their pronouns are in their profile and be like, he, him, she, her, they, them. And at one point, Gina put Beboop Bop in her Twitter bio. And I was honestly just like very appalled and disgusted at that. Like, I, I don't really have a nice way to put it um, because there isn't a nice way to put it. And she said that she, I think the other hard part of it was when people were asking her, you know, this is really hurtful to a lot of people in the trans community and in the Star Wars community. Um, and she said, you know, I'm not making fun of people. So she said she talked to Pedro, who I didn't know this at the time, but has a non-binary sibling. And she said she talked to Pedro about why people feel it's important to put their pronouns in their profile, why that's important in general, and that it wasn't something she agreed with. And her putting beep, bop, boop in her profile was not supposed to be mocking uh, the trans community. And honestly, I just I don't understand how it cannot be viewed as mocking or making fun of a community of people. I, I really don't. Um, she's since deleted those tweets and changed her bio, but it kind of felt like the damage was done, like Charlotte said, and it was just really disappointing. And um, it is disappointing because we were such a big fan of Kara and we're big fans of Gina too last year. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to know that someone that you um, really admired their work and what they put on screen and behind the camera too to just kind of, I don't know, really double down on some some really offensive and hurtful uh, rhetoric like she did last week. So uh, just kind of know that going in. If we're not talking about Kara a lot, that's probably why right now, um, just so you know. And the Star Wars community did a great thing, like they always do when things like this happen. And they started a GoFundMe called Trans Rights Are Humans Rights. This is the way. And um, it's going, it's a fundraiser put together by the Star Wars community. And uh, the donations are going to the Transgender Law Center. And it's raised over $10,000, which is amazing. I think when it first started, their goal was $1,000. And now they're over 10000 which is incredible. And and it's always great um, to see the Star Wars community really come together for causes like this and in response to um, really awful things that are going on in the world and what other people can be saying online. So we'll link that in the show notes if you're interested in donating. Highly encourage you to. And yeah, I feel like we just kind of needed to talk about that because uh, it's definitely been weighing on us and was a big thing that happened. And like we said, not okay at all what she was saying last week yeah and I think it really did kind of put a damper on a lot of fans excitement and interest in the Mandalorian which I think is totally understandable yeah I think it, it impacted a lot of people and their excitement coming up for season two and I totally understand that it it definitely has impacted me and my excitement for Kara's character honestly um, but there are so many other amazing people in this show that I do want to support. And I'm excited to, like we said, I'm still excited for this show. And I'm really looking forward to what 
Din and Baby Yoda are going to be getting into. And I'm glad that we're kind of, I know Kara is in the trailer, but I'm, and therefore Gina, but I'm glad that it seems like they're kind of spreading out to the further galaxy. And I, I'm excited to see who they meet. Yeah, I, I kind of, I do get the sense that her role might be smaller in this, in this season. And I think that's because of a refined focus on the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. I think that is actually the only natural pathway for the next season, as those two are the main characters that I think the audience responded to the most and I that are still alive <laughs> I'd say <laughs> I think that Queel and IG-11 were also uh really fan favorite characters um mm-hmm. that people loved but I do think that the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are like the money makers at this point like let's be honest here it's, it's just Baby Yoda <laughs> yeah it's just Baby Yoda <laughs> but like that is you know you know the design the Mandalorian it sells it's <laughs> yeah they they the Mandalorian thought he was the money maker until season one came and we also <laughs> saw Baby Yoda and then it was like move aside sir <laughs> yeah yeah okay so Caitlin what was your first thought when you watched this trailer I I was just so excited that it was here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think, you know, everything that had happened on Twitter with Gina the week before and then honestly, like the months leading up, I feel like there had just been so many, um, honestly, like a lot of journalists online being like, I think it's coming soon and I get my hopes up and then it wouldn't happen. And it was just like this constant, maybe this week, maybe this week, when are we getting the date? When are we getting a trailer? It was. It felt like a lot of ups and downs and in a year that has been disappointing (laughs) to say the least it was like I'm just I I just I need to see new baby Yoda content it was a boost of uh dopamine I needed it (laughs) I did too I think that there's you know I I really have been wanting to scratch the speculation itch for a really long time it it fuels me it makes me thrive it is a major reason why I'm a Star Wars fan. And this trailer did that for me. When it when it launched, I was like, oh my God, it's been actually so long since you and I have reacted to a trailer. The last one we reacted to was the Clone Wars trailer. But even still, it, it just feels, this feels bigger. I love the Clone Wars. You, you guys know that. But I, this feels bigger. And it's I'm just so excited for new Star Wars. When we talked to Anne a couple episodes ago, she had told us, I don't remember if this was on the air or not, that Dave and crew finished, was it two days before shutdown? Yeah, yeah. This was, I think this was off, like, yeah. when we finished recording and we were chatting to her afterwards. And she was telling us about how Dave and John were are always on, like, you know, obviously, like, video conferencing and stuff and, like, editing the trailer. I think she said they were editing the trailer or working on the trailer or something like that. And Charlotte and I were like, be calm, be calm. <laughs> but yeah, she did say she was like, yeah, we were so lucky because they wrapped shooting. I think it was two or three days before shutdown back in March. So, like, March 10th or something. I, I mentioned this because I just feel so thankful that we have this because it would have been a year of – I don't know. I feel like we've all been become very used to Star Wars content around the holidays and just feel synonymous now with with Star Wars. And it would just be really sad if we had to wait whoever knows how long until the next season of The Mandalorian because things were paused and didn't continue or something. I just feel like we're really lucky that we have this and it's going to be, I hope so, a bright spot of 2020. Well, I mean, it is holiday uh, yeah right o- october 30th so 
baby's first Halloween. <laughs> spooky Mando. Spooky, spooky baby Yoda. <laughs> I can't wait. I hope they do something like that for social. You know, yeah. it just be fun. Yeah. The drawings of baby Yoda in costume. You oh my know, gosh. Like baby costumes are the best. <laughs> they are the best. Actually, this would be the first Halloween that we're gonna that we perhaps could see baby Yoda costumes also on actual yeah. children. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> on, on real life children. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. I just I keep thinking about my niece when she was two years old was a shark, and it was it's like my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> and now I just keep picturing Baby Yoda in a shark costume. <laughs> I even picture Baby Yoda in like a a sheet ghost outfit, and it's just so yeah. cute because the ears stick out or something. Well, oh, and it works really well too with his cradle and you know, float yes. around. Wow. And then what would the Mandalorian be? (laughs) No, he already has a costume. (laughs) He would probably just put on, he'd be like me. I'm, I'm not good at costuming and he'd just put on like cat ears or something and call it a day. No, a Darth Maul mask on top of his helmet. (laughs) (laughs) Or he'd just, he'd just like swap out his Mandalorian mask for a different Mandalorian (laughs) mask. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about the actual contents of the trailer. (laughs) Okay. So the 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 trailer opens with an awesome planet shot, of course, and mm-hmm. it automatically sets the mood for wow, this is going to be moody as usual. Something I love about the Mandalorian is just the dramatic shots, just so beautiful. And <laughs> they just won a bunch of Emmys for the cinematography, for the visual effects, and man, this trailer flexed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the open ha- it shows the Razor Crest flying by, and it is broken it is dingy the hatch is open the there's sparks coming out of it i think that you kind of could blink and miss that honestly but it's it's a little haggard yeah i definitely missed it the first couple of times i watched it again not a ship and i was like oh that's not supposed to look like that <laughs> after a couple of times watching it <laughs> to me i really do think that it it symbolizes how we're going to come to the Mandalorian and the child in this season mm-hmm. and I I do think that this season is going to be the darker middle chapter of the Mandalorian I think that we, we, welcome welcome <laughs> listeners we've come back to the darker middle chapter <laughs> speculation side of Skydoggers I think that through the series we have been exploring the Mandalorian's own biases and how he can overcome them in order to better parent and be at, in in the end at the end of the day become a better person and i wonder how that's also going to reflect upon the child upon baby yoda and like what his journey is even going to look like and i think that right now the only logical way to move forward in the season is to kind of really really laser focus on this relationship between these two we start with the quote from the armor about finding a sense of belonging essentially reuniting the child with his own kind and the question i think is is it his own kind in terms of his species or is it his own kind in terms of force users jedi i think the trailer begs the jedi of it all but it could be a sort of red herring um i think that we will explore the force and weird force stuff which really makes me excited but i do really do wonder like what does this all mean for the child what does it mean for 
the next steps of his journey and how will that fuel Din's own journey in turn? Yeah, I think that I think even to get a little bit ahead and just talk about like the trailer as a whole compared to where we were last season, I think that you can really see that this is a darker toned trailer. And I mean that like visually we're we're going color theory <laughs> or just like imagery. I like starting off with a broken ship in kind of a dark galaxy setting with kind of darker and blue tone planets and stuff. I think that says a lot. And I think a lot of the the settings that they're in this season look more blue toned and darker. Whereas last season, right, like the the middle chapter, chapter four was our only like lush green blue episode and everything else was very except for the episode um with all the assassins. But like for by and large, last season was like desert planets galore. And this season from the from this trailer alone looks kind of like it's flipped. Like we have one episode with Tatooine or one shot of Tatooine in the middle there. But a lot of it is like blue water. We've got the ice planet. We've got the dark galaxy. You know, like it, it has a very different tone visually, I think. And I think if we're looking at if we're thinking like big picture of what this whole thing is going to look like at the end of the Mandalorian's run, you know, season one was kind of, or volume one, I should say, was like introductions to everything and everyone. And I feel like volume two, season two, is going to be like knowledge quest. This is when we're going to be like gaining, uh, like where are they going? Who are they meeting? What are they learning? I think this is a question I have for this season is how much of what Din encounters in this season is going to surprise him. Because mm-hmm. he seems like he knows a lot, you know, he's he's a bounty hunter. He's got to know a lot about the dark nooks and crannies of the galaxy. But clearly he knows nothing about the Jedi. Um, so there's still a lot he doesn't know. He didn't know anything about Baby Yoda or Force Sensitivity. So how much of what he encounters this season is going to surprise him? And then whatever knowledge he gains in this season is going to inform his choices for the upcoming seasons. I I I would very easy I wouldn't be surprised if the Mandalorian was like a four season yeah. uh show. You know, like we have introduction season one, knowledge quest season two, season three is uh I guess like would kind of be like the climax. Not like entirely, but it's like a continuation of the knowledge quest and then like making a mistake with that knowledge. And then season four continues that and is the return, the redemption, the delivering a baby Yoda or them going off on their own into the sunset. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. That if this is the darker middle chapter and we can compare this to the Cambellian hero's journey, which I think is completely apt to compare it to given the fact that it was mentioned so much in that behind the scenes documentary that it feels like everyone on set is aware of the beats, the, the way that this this story is unfolding and within that in act two which i guess we can call this act two we're experiencing or would experience a descent and initiation tests allies enemies and Mm -hmm. of course the approach to the, the cave and i'm really excited for this sort of i think that what what you touched upon is like what is he going to learn because he knows a lot but he doesn't know enough about the jedi or this whole part of essentially religion right if the force is like an amalgamation of all these different religions and like he doesn't know anything about the spiritual you know 
And therefore, does he know anything about the spiritual within himself? Does he know himself? I think that Din as a character is someone who takes on jobs, takes on jobs, takes on jobs in order to repress a lot of emotions <laughs> and a lot of feelings and to, to keep busy, to s- try to stop mem- remembering his like horrid past. I think we see that when he has these flashbacks and, and these loud noises, right, in the in the first season. Yeah. And I think that what that discovery for his innermost self is going to look like, like what will he learn about himself when he learns about the force? I think that's a really interesting question because we're going into this being like, what does it mean for Baby Yoda? What does it mean for the force at large? It's like, but what about the main title character? And what does that mean for what it reveals about his past, who he is and who he wants to be? Mm -hmm. And I think that, even seeing this ice planet, which a lot of people are calling Ilum, Ilum, um, which is in the Clone Wars, in Jedi Fallen Order, it is the location of where you get your lightsaber. And it is heavily rumored, yet not officially confirmed, but definitely hinted at, that Ilum became Starkiller Base. So the fact that Mando is there, it's interesting, <laughs> because this yeah. is five years after Return of the Jedi, and we're 25 years out from The Force Awakens. So it's a very interesting time period, definitely, to explore an ice planet. If, even if it's not it, I still think that it's cave-like. And that amazing episode of The Clone Wars where the younglings go do, go to seek their lightsaber crystal is all about revealing your, your, your flaws, <laughs> getting over your pride, and discovering your innermost self in order to reveal a gift to you which is your your kyber crystal if we get to see ilum like inside the cave in live action i'll die i mean how cool would that be (laughs) that episode is so cool and the the younglings in that episode are all great but they're not main characters and so like our investment in their character development and like them and like discovering their true selves or and like the crystals revealing their weaknesses whatever it's it's all it's great and that i think it's like a two episode arc it's done so well i feel for all of those kids but to have it with a character like the mandalorian and baby yoda who we've spent a lot more time with <laughs> would just be incredible because you know at some point if they go in there together they'll get separated and mando no idea what he's doing like (laughs) right what will that cave reveal to them that they need to work together probably does the the cave even reveal things to people who aren't forced i don't know that's a good question i just will they redefine what a force user is if everyone has the force somehow yeah, because the voice can still speak to you, but is it the same exactly. situation as like a crystal calling to you? How does he even know? Who tells him to go there? Do they just stumble upon it? Does Baby Yoda take them there? And like, has it begun to be mined yet for the Kyber itself? Maybe that's how he ends up there. Because John Favreau has said that we'd examine the origins of the First Order within the Mandalorian. I think so. that's only natural for that to happen, by the way. I think that if yeah. we're in this time period, we have to. We're dealing with empire remnants and the empire remnants eventually should and will become the first order just based off of the way that that rise happens i just i envision something like a combo of you know the scene in mortis where they like ahsoka and obi-wan get their visions from the force coupled with the younglings episode 
when they're in Ilum, like for the Mandalorian. I don't know. It's interesting thinking about like what if it's not like a kyber crystal, which a child that small should not have a lightsaber. Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> but what, like what, how would the force manifest itself to the Mandalorian, someone who is not aware of it at all in the same kind of capacity that like Ahsoka or Obi-Wan? It's all very interesting, very and I'm interesting. I'm sure that that episode will be a fan favorite if if it really is that planet. Super I mean, how weird. cool would that be? Yeah. yeah. Regardless, I think that, and I think we as Star Wars fans get really tripped up and like, wouldn't it be so cool if it's it was this thing that we already know? And the answer is yes, but there's only so many times that that can happen before it feels gimmicky. And yeah. sometimes I do think that Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, has like run up against that gimmicky side. Um. And we'll see how this unfolds in season two. But that is definitely a link that I would not hate. In fact, I would probably love. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, agreed. So after we have kind of a, or I guess during the armors conversation that's kind of replayed over this trailer, we get to see a shot of Tatooine. So I guess we're going back to Tatooine at some point and a Bantha and the way that the audio is uh, matched to the Bantha, the Bantha opens his mouth when the Mandalorian says where. It's so, exactly right. It's so, <laughs> so funny. It looks like the Bantha is saying where in, in Din's <laughs> voice. It's it's so funny. But uh, so we're going back to ta- Tatooine at some point. And then we also see, like we said, the snowy planet, which could be LM, could be someplace completely new. And Baby Yoda here has a very interesting expression. I think at first I thought he looked sleepy, and then I thought maybe he looks sad. I'm like, what has he seen? What does he know? I don't know. I think that he has seen a lot, and I think he's seen yeah. a lot of pain. It would actually be interesting to explore that sort of past of the trauma of being kept away, I suppose. I mean, I think that that's something that a lot of, not a lot of people have really thought about yeah. is what has happened to him in the past 50 years, really. Yeah, I think too. If you know, if this if this is Ilum and this is after he's already gone through the the caves, like this is on the other side. What did he see while he was in there? Did he see maybe his destiny of where he's gonna go in the future? Did he see? Because the thing is, we don't know how much Baby Yoda remembers about where he's been, or even knows about who he is. So if he like. There's a good possibility that like Baby Yoda could know who the Jedi were. Like Baby Yoda could know Yoda. <laughs> and if maybe this is him realizing, like having his oh my god, having his own like Order 66 moment of like everyone who I knew or remembered or like have a forced connection to. Cause I feel like even like as a child that that's that's so powerful in the force. He could even just have like emotive connections to people without actually being like an like a like an adult and talking and stuff like that and kind of really realizing that those are all severed because all those people are gone that could be really traumatic too and sad baby yoda cannot cry <laughs> oh my god that would be so sad must be happy <laughs> <laughs> must be happy must be cute <laughs> must be happy must be cute all the time <laughs> we see some really cool environments which i can't help but think about how you know, the animators and the visual effects artists have been doing this. This is probably shot on the volume. Um, and the visual effects artists have been blending this and making this come to life from home, probably. I, I can't get over that. And we, we see some really incredible stuff, like the graffiti planet that looks like a shipyard. It almost looks like Corellia. But 
maybe it's part of that uh, Mon Cala-esque water planet that comes up later with all the Corrin. Um I'm excited about that. I don't know. That reminded me a lot of Resistance. I don't know about you, but I got this vibe of like the Colossus almost of all these guys in like a fishing port basically walking around. <laughs> Would like to see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, wow, this is great. And if it is Moncala, it's really interesting because in the Clone Wars, we really saw Moncala under the water, mm-hmm. um, but we really haven't seen the above the water part that much, um, maybe in books, but it would be cool if that was so. And then we get some sweet water scenes because you know what that means? Symbolizing baptism. <laughs> I yeah, I really liked the the like ship, shipyard. It felt really unique for live action, and it it gave me big like you know kind of like pirates vibes too. So. I thought it was it, that was one that I'm really excited to see what they're going to encounter. I think that will be a great uh, set to just explore the background of a lot in reruns or in rewatches of who's selling what, what do what, what are some of the labels on these boxes? You know, I just I think they're shipping. I just think that'll be a really fun set to explore. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we I was surprised to see the X wings, but I guess I shouldn't be because we did see them last time, but. I I don't know. There's a lot of surprising stuff. I've some very um, keen-eyed people notice that Din's jetpack on the Sand Planet looks very similar to Boba Fett's jet jetpack, and I don't know how I feel about that. But maybe it's not even the Mandalorian. Like I don't know. You only see his backside, so it could be Boba <laughs> Fett. And all all this to say, I know that there's like hidden stuff in this trailer that I'm just not picking up on because. They really, they really packed it in. Yeah, it goes through a lot of scenes very quickly, a lot of flashes. Yeah. All right, so I have to talk about this because this is my like hell to die on within Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Say it with me now: how information is transmitted across the galaxy. <laughs> because this, this whole um, monologue from the armorer about. E of e- I, I should have written it down, but it's like eons past. Their legend foretells of a great battle between the Mandalorian and a, a race of sorcerers called a race of enemy sorcerers called the Jedi or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like that was thirty years ago, ma'am. Um, that was <laughs> that was not that long ago, and or was it long ago? And that was just a totally separate so we're talking thing. about a different one. I get the Mandalorian yeah. timeline. I just I can't keep up. But, it's really confusing because it, it, there's it, all the there's the 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 prison little cell that they put Maul in in the Clone Wars is the only one left after the Great War. So it's actually okay. been longer. Okay. Yes, but <laughs> but comma <laughs> there there. The Order 66, like, we don't really know how old Din is. Din could very well have been alive during Order 66 when there were thousands of Jedi, the peacekeepers across the galaxy. You know, this was not that long ago. And I think that this is purposeful for two reasons. Number one, we've talked about this a lot. It's something that I feel like we kind of obsessive over, over with The Mandalorian is that it is very, um, like, has a very a fairy tale nature to it. It's very episodic. It season one was anyway. The fact that like we call it chapters 
is very evocative of a certain vibe and to say like long ago eons past enemy sorcerers that feels very fairy tale and like once upon a time you know so i think that it's evocative on that level and also you're right that there's um there could have been many different wars between the mandalorians and the jedi and uh what does that mean but it's just like i need some kind of book episode something that's like all about Palpatine rewriting history during the age of the empire because all of these people like the armorer too surely they were around in order 66 and like the the battle between the separatists and the republic and the fall of the republic too like I find it I don't know it's just it's confusing to me and I know that like obviously we see these things through history in real life that have happened of indoctrination of and revisionist history is not a new idea and it's certainly been done many times by evil people throughout history but I just I need more information on it because and I, I think like it's because the galaxy is so wide right and there's like different levels of access to technology and um information i think of that like one episode in clone wars do you remember i can't remember what it's called but it's like just anakin and obi-wan and it's like the ghost yard mm-hmm. um one where this kid is like trapped on this planet because he believes there are ghosts out there like uh destroying all the ships that tried to leave but really it's just like an electromagnetic field mm-hmm. and like yeah. he's completely isolated and has no idea what's happening in the galaxy and there's so many planets like we don't even know how many planets are in the galaxy so how is information transmitted? But I think in the era of the sequel trilogy or the second trilogy, you get this idea that like people are talking a lot like there are senators from all these planets. Like there seems to be a lot of, um, you know, on planet Earth, we would say like globalization. I don't really know what you would call it in the galaxy. Like major communication. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And then just for everything to just go cold immediately when the Empire takes over is really fascinating and I want to know more about it because I'm sure that's what's happening and you know when we look in Rebels in the last season of Rebels we see like that prop- we see a lot of propaganda in Rebels but I'm always reminded of like Palpatine uh, Palpatine's hollow when he portrays himself to the public as he was um, like in Attack of the Clones and in Revenge of the Sith before he became Sidious and it's that's like very purposeful like no one actually knows what he looks like in the time of Rebels I think that's I think that's like so interesting and I want to know more about it because then you also think like then there's room for stories about like black markets of information you mm, know and how is that true. being transmitted and like then you think of like like Fahrenheit 451 right where they're memorizing the books Mm-hmm. in order to preserve them i think that's so fascinating i think there's like so much that star wars could do with that and this is just like a piece of it and because we don't have information on it i'm like Eon- enemy sorcerers this was like one generation ago <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's my hill um thank you for coming to my ted talk about uh history of the galaxy thank you well it was only five years ago that the empire was toppled by the rebellion which was basically led by a group of four caesars and i think it's just so interesting i think you're so right this is something that you talk about a lot but it's confusing how the jedi have become a myth and i think that it's it's purposeful because in a way it elevates the jedi by becoming a myth yeah but i wonder how the mandalorian will use this to its own storytelling i think that in a lot of ways new star wars stories in in a way almost subconsciously improve on the past 
And I think that we will see in this season, how is it going to, how is the Jedi as a title either going to be elevated or tarnished even further? Because I think in the prequels, the the understanding that the, the Jedi are flawed, which is totally fine, right? I think that that's it's great to realize that your heroes have flaws and it's just the downfall of the Jedi that has to happen before the rise of the Empire. But what about the, in this moment of time as Luke is maybe preparing his Jedi Temple, as he is kind of taking a back seat in the galaxy, as he is furthering his own connection to the Force, um, if he really is at this point the last Jedi, what does it mean? <laughs> and what does the Jedi mean? And what does that word even mean to the galaxy as a whole? Well, and how can it be reinvented? Well, I hope that they discuss the – if that's the direction we're going, I hope we discuss the definition of Jedi in The Mandalorian more than we did in The Rise of Skywalker. I have no <laughs> doubt that we will just because I, I think that Dave has the clearest understanding of yeah. all of that. Well, if we think that this is like a a, a, a knowledge, like if we're – if The Mandalorian is kind of – you know, you talk about baptism through water a lot, right? Um, like that's mm-hmm. your hill to die on. And I don't know if it's my hill to die on. It's just like the easiest symbolism <laughs> <laughs> pick up on it's like symbolism 101 <laughs> not exactly a hill rather like yeah. a well i keep pulling from <laughs> yeah but you know we if you look at the end of season one like with the fire that like there is also baptism by fire too and exactly the, like, crucible of it all and the fact that like we're in a lava pit at the end and like iron is melting the crucible like whole kind of symbolism there too i think is really fascinating and um, kind of could lead like going into a darker place, you know, like I think baptism by water, you're coming out new. It's like cleansing and stuff. It's rebirth. Yeah, it's yeah. rebirth. Baptism by fire is a little different, I think. Um, it's pain in order to come out anew. It's not yeah. cleansing. It, it In a way, it is cleansing, but it's darker. I think that the the logo at the end of this trailer is even all smoky. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's up with that? I mean, it looks it looks badass. Don't get me wrong. And I think that it exists to do that. But we are about to enter, I think, a darker season, a season that asks a lot of questions. And I think that we're not going to get I don't think the last uh, season ended with like a neatly tied bow. But I and I think it, it I think it ended with like the perfect cliffhanger, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this season probably, you know, I actually would not be surprised if the cliffhanger was pretty devastating. Like the child ends up in Gideon's arms and then the season ends or something like that. I just like maybe they changed it with like how 2020 has gone and been, like, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't make it like quite that dark because literally this will be at the end of 2020 when this season finishes. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, to go back to like, uh, you know, when I was talking, kind of monologuing about knowledge across the galaxy and stuff, this idea of like the black market of information, of the truth, of like the real version of history, of how that gets transmitted. I mean, this could, this probably is, I would imagine on some level, going to be Din finding out the truth from different people of of what actually happened in order because if he's looking for the enemy sorcerers for the Jedi in order to return baby Yoda, which part of the truth being that there aren't any Jedi left. So where does he go? Or maybe 
there are or it's like we heard that there's maybe he starts looking for Luke <laughs> you I know mean, and it's like kind of crazy yeah like there's there there's people say that the kid who blew up the Death Star was a Jedi and he's building his own temple now on such and such or you know and if like Din is kind of picking up these clues and this um uh, like community of people across all these different spaces who know something about how things were but that can't be talked about anymore or has been erased and no one knows about it any longer well don't you think that that like actually has something to do with the heavily rumored inclusion of ahsoka yeah. and there's no one i think that is alive at this period that ezra I guess that's right, but we actually don't know if he's alive at this period, <laughs> right? I think that I mean I, I think he's he not. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if he's not, but I think we know for a fact that Ahsoka is around here, and I think there's no one left in the galaxy who understands, you know, the plight of the Skywalkers and the exploration of the Force and how weird things got way back when. It's just, you know, yeah, it's just it's crazy to think that like. You know, if we're looking at Rebels specifically, and you're right, like, this could be a really good entrance for Ahsoka into this show of, like, this is what's happening. Like, if she's the end point. But if, again, like, people not knowing about the Jedi any longer, you have people like Sabine and Hera that are presumably still alive. Like, again, it's only been mm-hmm. five years since Return of the Jedi. We saw all of them at the end of Return of the Jedi. Zeb went off to, like, a secret planet. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and and the entire rebellion was aware of Kanan and Ezra and then of Luke, too. I just, I find this fascinating. And then to think that, like, 25 years later, Rey knows about the Jedi also, but has, like, a very specific version of the story herself. And then Finn, of course, has no knowledge of the Jedi because he was a stormtrooper. I don't know. I just I, I can't if, get over if, it. If this season is really this season and series is going to dabble in the rise of the First Order, it would make sense to me that they would explore the suppression of information and the way that history is passed on. And yeah. um, perhaps why Din can't seem to find all these people who have connections to the forest, to the Jedi, maybe they there's a reason why all these people need to go into hiding. I don't know. I think that some of the stuff is already explored in in books and stuff, so that kind of makes it a little difficult. But I still think there's so much we don't know about this period of time that makes it extremely interesting for exploring. I don't know. I'm I'm just like really fascinated with this idea of this season could end of the Mandalorian, and I could have a completely different worldview about how the Jedi are perceived in the era of the Mandalorian in the era of the sequel trilogy. And I, that is really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Definitely. Okay. So who is Sasha Banks? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So Sasha Banks is the actress, the, uh, I'm, I, it's WWE, right. Fighter who, um, comes on screen dressed in a cool black robe and then is disappeared into the crowd. And there's a lot of speculation online about who she is. I just want her to be a super cool force user that perhaps is like akin to like a different night sister type vibe. Like someone who uses the force, knows something, but isn't a Jedi or something, is a link. Well, I, I kind of feel like she's an informant because we know from the EW article that Gideon is pursuing 
Right. Uh, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. So she could be an informant too for Gideon or part of whatever Gideon is a part of. I mean, we're dancing around this, but the big question of season one was what does everyone want with Baby Yoda? And that's going to continue to be the question in season two. I'd be surprised if it wasn't mm-hmm. because, yeah, we found out that he has the force, but so does every other Star Wars movie that we see. It's it's part of it. It always is. And why specifically him? Why specifically his species? And why the baby? I feel like there's so many there there's so many things that actually need to be answered from season one. I don't think they'll all be answered in season two, but I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that Gideon is chasing after the Mandalorian and the child, maybe for the glory of finding the child and delivering it to whatever they were going to sample him for, you know, when they were doing all those tests on him in chapter three. You know, I kind of think that that is all a front for Gideon. I think so, too. Yeah. I think that he is a collector. I think that once it was revealed that he has the dark saber, I think that that put whatever the client was doing with the remnants of the Empire, like, out the window. Like, that was just a vehicle to get resources. Um, I feel like he is probably, like, super undercover like crime syndicate kind of thing like who knows who he's working for Um, do you think he's a social climber because he's a moth i don't think he's i don't think he's a social i don't think he's a social climber like what do you mean by social like do you think he's like a two-timer because he's clearly in the empire he's moth gideon and i know the empire is gone but he you know has a tie fighter he's a moth just like tarkin was a moth i think and they're they're part of the ranks and i think what you're what you seem to say is like you he might actually have like a shadier past or a different past than is just what we see i think he has a completely different motivation like the like the empire whatever he's doing whether he was in the actual empire or just joined after return of the jedi time period i think that's all my current speculation train is that that's all just a vehicle for him to get what he needs uh with baby yoda my guess like if i were like wildly speculating here i would which i'm going to i think that's all this episode is we have, we're grasping at straws <laughs> I, not even a straw just like air <laughs> i think that like gideon is a part of some organization collection of people that have maybe he he he's a believe like i think that with the dark saber he's a believer in the jedi and he's like there's one jedi left it's this like he's heard rumors of baby yoda he knows that he through his connections and his organization that's like super underground they know that the empire knows about baby yoda gideon gets in the ranks of baby yoda, of the empire climbs up the ranks very quickly and is using it as a means to get to baby yoda i don't think again current speculation i don't think that he could have anything to do or actually care about the empire like once he got baby yoda it'd be like peace out empire mm-hmm. um because in the ew article like i'm about to become the biggest gideon fan i don't like <laughs> just get ready for it <laughs> um, he said that he's pursuing Din and baby yoda and that he will serve as a source of temptation for the mandalorian which that just like what does that mean and i think i think it's knowledge I think that Gideon has the knowledge of where Baby Yoda comes from or about the Jedi or something. And like the last piece of the puzzle to for the last piece of knowledge that Din needs 
like could it's like you have to go to you have to find the dark saber and it's like what do you mean like Gideon has the dark saber and it's like yeah because he knows and it's like what what I don't know I just I think that Gideon is super interesting I don't think he is actually a, a part of the empire like he is but he isn't and within that article too he also said that like you may view Gideon or Gideon as the um as the villain but he, I think he says something along the lines of like he's just doing what he thinks is uh like a bigger purpose too and like what is that you know that's why I don't know I kind of think that he's he's not actually a part of the empire he's a part of something different and I bet he knows I bet he knows something 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 about the Jedi right I think that you hit on something that makes so much so much sense to me is if he's tempting Din with knowledge which is what perhaps he's after right knowledge of where the child comes from what to do with the child how to train the child which is clearly a problem right mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to figure out how to make sure that the baby doesn't go to the dark side and who's going to tell him about the dark side <laughs> i don't know no one knows about the dark side yet right i think that there's there's just as as an aside just to my point about how it, this series could recontextualize the jedi in the sequel trilogy i think there is an interesting way that we could view the force through the mandalorian's eyes because he's learning about it for the first time and it could therefore yield new stuff to us as an audience about how we perceive the force yeah i think that would be really great okay back to what i was saying about uh gideon the knowledge, yes, he really is going to be the source of knowledge for Din and probably at the end. And I think that all of this is symbolized by the fact that he has the Darksaber. What does the Darksaber symbolize? The Darksaber symbolizes this sort of union. And union is a weird word because I think it is, it's a weapon. But with the history of the Darksaber, I mean, it's a, it's a lightsaber <laughs> that's dark, but it's wielded by the 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 most worthy Mandalorian. And so all those things together, it of course it will be featured in the this series because that's exactly what the series is exploring. This merging between things that are technically Jedi-esque, which is the Force, and the Mandalorian history. And all those things will come together. So yes, of course Gideon has the knowledge because he is in possession of this object that symbolizes the history of Mandalore and not just the history of Mandalore, but the history of Mandalore with the Jedi. Yeah. It's this conversion. Mm-hmm, exactly. And Din and baby Yoda are just an example of that conversion. Yeah. Whew. A little parallels there. Oh man. <laughs> you know, Dave would probably sum that up in one singular sentence and we'd be like, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let me see if I can do it. <laughs> We're exploring the conversation around what it means to have the Force and be a Jedi in a post-Empire world through the lens. He wouldn't even say through the lens. I feel like I've never heard him say through the lens. Same. I can't do it. Um, By understanding the relationship between a child (laughs) and a masked man. Wow. It wasn't good. He did so much better. You tried. You tried. You <laughs> can work on that. Just practice it in front of the mirror at night. You know, I got to put on my Dave hat again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get back to some of the crazy fun stuff in the trailer because we just got real deep, like involuntarily almost. But let's talk about some of the crazy <laughs> stuff. Involuntarily. <laughs> let's talk about the fact that there's a Gamer- Gamerinian wrestling, wrestling match. match. 
Yeah. It was so solo. I think the whole part is lit very similarly to solo. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it because I think that whole scene is so beautifully. Love it. So I was excited about that. And then we also get the quintessential Baby Yoda moment. The internet needed this. We did. This Baby Yoda moment. 2020 this. This, oh, crap. Dad's using whistling birds. Gotta hide. Whistling birds. And I think that it's great because... I am imagining that Din and the child had a conversation where Din was like, I'm going to go in there. (laughs) And when I pull out my wrist and you see the whistling birds, you're going to hide. Okay. You're going to (laughs) hide. What if we do like a practice session? Like, yes, that is so Anakin and Obi-Wan deleted scenes in Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) Yes. Yes. My thought. Exactly. (laughs) I know it was. I know you were thinking about that. The eyebrow wisp. No, 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 no. We can't do that. <laughs> do that. Let's try this. Oh, Anakin okay. doing R2 sounds. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> anyway, I love this whole like planned thing because it's very it's also very Return of the Jedi. I don't know. It would be if you great. Subscribe to a plan for the Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I think it's super cute. It was just the kind of levity that I think the trailer needed. And it's just it's it's funny. It's funny having Baby Yoda close it. The screen goes blank. You hear the fight going on, and then it you know, the cradle opens up again. Which we we got a new cradle. Yeah, new baby cart. <laughs> baby cart. Swiss. <laughs> the baby and, cart. Yeah, baby, baby cart, cart on the road to hell. That's yeah. That's the uh, that's the that's the film version of Lone Wolf and Cub that we're on now. Well, to talk about Baby Yoda for a sec. I guess we have been talking about Baby Yoda for a hot sec, but the the fact that if we still are in some way drawing from Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, which is a set of samurai films, uh, if this is your first time tuning in, um, The Mandalorian was pretty heavily inspired by Lone Wolf and Cub. It's the same archetype. And it would be really interesting. I think that this is something you brought up a lot in season one about will the child get to make his choice will he get to stay will he there's a couple of moments in lone wolf and cub where um the cub gets to kind of choose his destiny yeah and i think that that will happen in if not season two then season three the child will get his own choice and i think that in i could be wrong about this what do i know but I know that <laughs> who, who am I but a podcaster? Exactly. But in, in Japanese culture and samurai culture, when you become like six years old, you you are given a set of, you know, responsibilities and choices and everything. So it would be really interesting if that was somehow integrated into the Mandalorian as as we watch this child kind of grow up and make choices and grow in his powers and learn how to use them and everything and what is his destiny i think that is the question yeah i think we'll definitely see the the child getting more autonomy as we go on in this season as well as the entire series that's a big part we you know the lone wolf and cub is a really it's a long manga series and it's a long film series and we've only watched I think two of the movies but Mm -hmm. I know like from reading kind of synopsises and stuff that you do see the cub the child like grow up and he becomes a warrior in his own right and that's a big part like the ending of the series is like he ends up like his 
is this spoilers? These came out in the seventies. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it's like his father dies, and he ends up in a duel with the man who's been chasing his father for like years and years and years. And he like he finally enacts revenge for his family who was murdered like in the very first episode. Um, but then I think he also like offers salvation to his enemy, something like that. It's like it's a very intense ending from from Wikipedia. <laughs> but i yeah i think that that like that's such an important scene in lone wolf and cub but and i think too um and perhaps an even um something else to keep in mind maybe even more so is there's a scene in lone wolf and cub where the you remember it's like it's so trippy it's the father and the son walking like in this psychedelic like there's fire and water on either side of them ever it's It's so so cool cool. it's like them (laughs) It's I don't know. It's like them walking in the in between and mm-hmm. together and like towards their destiny of revenge. <laughs> it's a very intense moment. It's very seventies. There's like voiceovers and like music. <laughs> it's very, um, yeah. It's it's very out of place from the rest of the film. I think, and we've talked about those films a lot. But yeah, this idea of like choosing your destiny and being on a set path with a purpose is very heavy handed in Lone Wolf and Cub. And so I think that, yeah, I think that, I think there'll be great to see more of that influence perhaps in season two, you know, now, I mean, I think it will because like this whole, the armorer's whole spiel is about purpose for the Mandalorian now and that, and like all of season one was about them coming together and like understanding that, they're in this come hell or high water and they're going to be walking that path now to for the end goal of finding where baby yoda came from whether it's his own species or you know enemy sorcerers totally yeah i'm so excited me too i think that there's a lot of potential for the theme of free will for the theme of destiny for a, a very clear exploration of how do how do your choices affect those around you yeah. and i i don't know i'm just I, I get really excited about it because i personally feel like the mandalorian continues to be this like and i think this is one of the reasons why it's successful is that it feels pretty separate yet totally integral to star wars because it is focusing on characters that are so brand new to us that their experiences in this galaxy that we have come to be very familiar with is yielding new stuff to us as the audience and how are these themes that we have treaded and retreaded so much in star wars becoming new again i think that the idea of personal choice is really interesting with the mandalorian and especially if we do get into like if we're in the cave of elam and like this idea of destiny and and even force visions like did someone foresee the mandalorian coming for baby yoda and then you think of like actual Yoda and his relationship to the Force, and of course, like in the second trilogy, a lot of the dark side clouds everything, or you know, the future is always in motion. You think about the Mandalorian's different choices in season one. Of remember, he he gave the baby back. Yeah, <laughs> and we were like, whoa, no. <laughs> and what would the path have been if he hadn't given baby Yoda back then? And but then went back and got him, you know, like, so how, how is, how is the future being rewritten? And I don't, and like, I think the Mandalorian at first will be really adverse to that. Like, it is not my destiny to be with this child. Like, or it was like, I don't, I think he'd have like a very Han kind of sensibility about it, even now of like, 
no, no, no. Like no one foresaw this happening. Like this, this wasn't some kind of grand destiny. This is just where we are. This is the outer rim. <laughs> like almost like this, like there's a war coming and there, there was a war that just happened, you know, however he kind of feels about the first order or even the empire. I don't know. I think that it would be really interesting. And like, how would he react to if we do encounter another like very wise and force user? Like if it was Ahsoka or someone else to be like, no, this is your path and this is your destiny. Like maybe it's not the child that has to choose its destiny. It's the Mandalorian that has to choose his path. Like the Mandalorian has to choose between the ball and the sword. I think they both will. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think this is something that we talked a lot about in at least in the end of the last season was how the title of The Mandalorian, yes, while focused on Jin, will and perhaps could become also a double meaning to also mean Baby Yoda as he finds this sort of sense of belonging with his his father in this clan of two. And how can we mend this broken relationship between the Mandalorian and the Jedi, the Mandalorian and the Force users? Is it really through this act of love? Um from father and son i i think that it will be just because that feels very star wars to me mm-hmm. to to kind of explore that and i think that with the title being what it is i think that they will both be facing challenges and i i know it's like hard to imagine that because at this point the child is the cutest puppet ever and has honestly pretty limited reactions <laughs> you know yeah. uh, but i do think that that's what we will be exploring i think that disney is aware (laughs) that the child is successful so i don't think that Uh, we will be be without (laughs) the child at any point (laughs) so i i really do feel like he will become a full-fledged character yeah i I don't think we'll be without baby yoda for a very very long long time time. (laughs) very very long time never honestly never (laughs) and i'm totally fine with that yeah 100 percent. i think something we haven't really talked about also is just to bring up baby yoda again and how we really don't know what he was being used for uh it's very possible that that watery planet could be camino who Mm. knows i there the boat is super cool. Love a boat in Star Wars. Let's go with the boat action. It reminded Caitlin and I of Indiana Jones a lot with the submarine. So yeah. it'd be interesting if that was a submarine. It would be also very Star Wars to reveal that it's not actually a boat. It's like a ship that a flies. Colossus. It's Colossus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I I think that it would be interesting if it was like a dilapidated old, like Camino has re- renewed itself after not being a clone production center anymore but still maybe having this like fledgling group of clone creators or um, the where we were going to attack of the clones is completely abandoned and now it's like a haunted house that would be so cool too i think we all we and all it, wanted that for the death star and it kind of kind of wasn't really that but it'd be cool to it'd be cool to walk around honestly it'd be cool to see the the volumes version of the camino factory ugh, that would be so cool it'd be very cool really revisiting a lot of ethics questions be so great i think that (laughs) i think that uh, (laughs) i mentioned this and it's not out of left field just because we did see that guy who was a doctor who was running all those tests on the child in chapter three on his his uniform is a kaminoan symbol so i remember us scratching our heads at that that was fascinating and it's like that would be really interesting if it came back around 
Would love, would love to see it. Yeah. Maybe we'd hear about Sifageus again. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> Lose it. provide some more clarity somehow about Sifageus? I think we understand now from Clone Wars, but it's still confusing. That's so very confusing. And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I would like to know more, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about the logo and how it's changed colors and also the new poster that's come out and... I remember someone, our friend Jess on Twitter pointed out, because when I first saw the poster, I was like, the sun is rising. And she was like, the sun is setting. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> it is. <laughs> because when you look at season one and season two poster, the sun is clearly setting. And uh, yep. <laughs> so Ominous. what you're saying is that next season, it will be completely dark. So we really are entering into the darker, the darker middle of chapter. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, and I I mean, I really do – I firmly believe that we're going to get a a strong journey of self (laughs) in this season, and that really does line up with Act 2 in the Kimbellian myth. So it's really interesting. Also, we haven't really mentioned that we got new directors this season. Mm -hmm. So John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rick Famuyiwa, and now we're getting getting Carl Weathers, which is so exciting. That he's gonna, I'm I'm pumped. I love him so much. Me too. <laughs> um, Peyton Reed and Robert Rodriguez. So three new new people. Two really basically net new people. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are we but, netting here? For new <laughs> what's our what's our profit margin here? <laughs> I'm pretty excited. I'm thrilled that Bryce is back. Yeah, me too. And I am sad to see that Deborah Chow is not back, but I know that she's directing the entirety of Camino. Camino. Uh, oh my Kamino. God, Kenobi. He was there too. <laughs> exactly. He could go back. <laughs> no, you can't leave Tatooine. <laughs> okay, we're not getting into that quite yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's directing the entirety of Kenobi, which I think she totally deserves. And I'm really, really excited about it. And I'm actually really pumped to see a complete vision of directorship. Yeah. Yeah, from her. Yeah, so I know that I saw a lot of people online disappointed about that, but I'm excited about the new directors, and I like this idea of, you know, this sort of revolving door of different voices and different people who can come in to the series and that can be introduced to. It was so important to John Favreau for them to be introduced to this new technology and learn how to use it and everything that was described in the Disney Gallery uh, behind the scenes documentary on Disney Plus, and I. I'm just thrilled that more people can use and learn this new technology. I think it's just so, again, very steeped in history and Star Wars and in pushing the boundaries and feels very collaborative. Yeah. And it was you who reminded me that Peyton Reed directed one of our favorites, Down with Love, with Ian oh McGregor. My God, <laughs> yeah. And I think Spy Kids, too. But <laughs> <laughs> but Down with Love is a quality classic. It's raunchy, okay. but it's very good if you haven't seen it with Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor. It's really funny. It's like the exaggeration in that film is it's it's like pushed to its limits visually, metaphorically. It's It's great. And I would say the directing is really spot on. It's snappy. It's very snappy. So I'm pumped. I can't wait. <laughs> we had the whole like ending song in Down With Love was on our playlists for years. It's You know what? It's still on my playlist. Okay, Caitlin. I, I mean, it's good. It. It's good. It's a good song. I just, it's I think great. that, I think that movie is hilarious. It's, I, I remember the first time we watched it, the ending, we were like, <gasps> <laughs> it's yeah, don't, don't reveal sh- anything. Don't reveal anything. I'm not going to, but it's definitely like, 
it it bills itself as a rom-com but it's it's such a smart movie and uh it's got a shocking ending (laughs) (laughs) truly (laughs) and it's got some great it's got these great behind the scenes features and the one i have to mention is when they're talking and and ewan is doing a scene he's like his his character's name (laughs) the fact that i can pull this right off the top of my head is insane his his character's name is catcher block which is like the coolest name ever and he goes he and the line he's supposed to say is like oh yes i'm catcher block but he can't remember he's like ah F, I've forgotten my name. And someone goes, oh, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Back, like, behind camera, and he goes, yes, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. Thank you. <laughs> so it came out like 2003-ish time. So right before Revenge of the Sith, which I think, anyway, the movie is incredibly smart. It's very fun. It's visually a treat. If you haven't watched it, you definitely should. And so it's like, Okay, are we going to get, like, down with love vibes in the middle? No, we're not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> are we going to a 60s version of Star Wars, like, with colorful hair? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> because I, we should mention that Peyton Reed also has directed recently the two Ant-Man movies. So if that gives you a vibe of, like, the snappiness and, like, how fun it is and hilarious, I feel like it's similar, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, those – the comedy is a big part of, of Ant-Man. Uh-huh. Um, and it wasn't down with love too, and and in Spy Kids, <laughs> so <laughs> and bring it on. I'm looking at his filmography right now, and I'm like, I need to bring it maybe, on. Wow, I actually think I'm wrong about the Spy Kids thing. I think that might be Robert Rodriguez. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Regardless, he did bring it. Uh, Peyton Reed also did bring it on. So like, we're really just pumping out the classics over here. So we're really excited to. U T L Y. You got no Um. Yeah, anyway, so I and you know, both of those are, are childhood stables, both spy kids and down with love. Very different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> but both very fun. So it'll be really great to see what they bring to the table with the Mandalorian. Absolutely. I'm really excited. My opinion about this trailer is that it's like not my favorite Star Wars trailer ever, but I think it did the job and it made me really excited and I cannot wait for October 30th. I feel like those eight weeks are just going to be so exciting with every Friday getting an episode again. Mm -hmm. I feel like it'll just be so nice. I can't wait. It's just nice to be talking about The Mandalorian again. I think that's... Because you're right. Like, I don't think that the trailer is necessarily groundbreaking. Like, there weren't any big reveals in it, which seems very part of the course for John and Dave considering, you know, the baby Yoda of it all from season one. Uh-huh. Uh so I think that we're in for we're in for a good ride and it looks like it could be a little spooky, a little weird forcey, a lot of action and cute baby. So everything's there. <laughs> Part of me really does hope that Man- the Mandalorian continues to serve as a Trojan horse for all this great incredible Star Wars animation content that exists that not enough people are tapping into. Like I really do hope that not that I hate the word legitimizes because i don't think that that needed needs to happen at all for animation content but i do kind of hope that it reaches the level of the amount of people that are watching the mandalorian which continues to be one of the most successful television series ever and that it becomes more on people's radars about the history of the galaxy and how that also includes the amazing accomplishments of the animation content yeah, well, you know, animation laid so much groundwork for a lot of these things. Like, if it is Ilum, for example, like that's that's a fantastic thing that was really explored first in animation. 
And there are just so many good ideas and there's so much time spent, you know, it's five seasons, seven, sorry, seven seasons of Clone Wars, four seasons of Rebels. Again, like you think about it and you're like, oh, Dave has spearheaded more hours of Star Wars content than anyone at this point. And there's a lot in there to mine from. And it's just, it's exciting to see it on like in live action. Like there's always something fun about that and seeing things cross over between different mediums. And there are so many great ideas and really thought provoking concepts and character developments within animation in Star Wars. And just, I, I want to see it explored here because like something like Ilum doesn't just go away once mm-hmm. it, like Clone Wars is over. Like that planet is still there and it had a really specific purpose. So even if it's not like Ilum, and there's like another journey for kyber crystal kind of thing going on, then that that's still connective though in a really cool way. So yeah, I'm with you though. So excited. Yeah. Can't wait. Are we gonna get up super early again? Oh yeah, definitely. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I actually am. I, I know like I know you so will excited. I know you will for the first like two weeks. At least. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, you know, the only like plus, not the only plus, one of the pluses of working from home right now is um, I'm, I get to have like my Christmas tree up like all the time and I get to like enjoy it like so much more like throughout the work day. It's going to be so great. And that was like one of my favorite things was like watching the Mandalorian with my Christmas tree on at like 530 in the morning. Totally. Magic. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It was the best. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that feeling again, honestly. Okay, so is there anything else we want to talk about with The Mandalorian Season 2? I don't think so. I think that we covered a lot and probably not enough. (laughs) You know, we went on our tangents and that's what we do. Exactly. (laughs) That's why you're here. (laughs) Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you all are excited for Season 2 of The Mandalorian as well. There have definitely been a ton of room that I feel like that we didn't talk a lot about the rumors that have been going on around the show at all, but that's okay. <laughs> there are a lot of rumors going on, and October 30th cannot get here fast enough. So uh, please let me know, what would you dress up Baby Yoda as for Halloween? <laughs> a ghost? A baby shark? A blurg? <laughs> Please let me know. <laughs> you can find us online at Skytalkers Pod on Twitter or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We are also on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't left us a review yet, that would be so great. Uh, it does help other people find our show. So if you have a couple of seconds and would like to do that, we would really appreciate it. You can also find us on other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and our website, skytalkers.com. And if you're interested for other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say a big thank you to these patrons. Ashley, Rad, Raj, Lindsay, Lola, Froppy, Cat, Dave, Nikki, Christina, Brendan, Emma, Lauren, Hannah, Efren, Blast Points, Nora, and Sarah. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.